Welcome to the Human and Technology Podcast. This podcast is for anyone who develops, distributes or uses technology. For all those who always have the feeling that technology overwhelms or dominates them. For everyone who wants to know how to deal with technology in everyday life. For anyone who wants to understand what technology does to us and how we can get our lives back. This podcast is for those who want to make technology sexy. All the product developers, designers, UX, UI professionals, product managers, CTOs and CEOs. And it is for you. My name is Dr. Peter Reska. My friends call me Dr. Peter. I am your host and I am happy that you are here. Welcome to the second episode in the Human Technology Podcast on the CES 2024. Last week I talked about the big trends, the major trends that I saw. And next week I will talk about the open questions that I took home from Vegas and that still stimulate my thinking and uh, I think many of these questions will continue to stimulate me and to, to trigger my thinking in different ways. This week, this episode is on the products that I have seen. All these things, these um, products, artifacts, um, all of uh, even virtual software products that grab my attention in a positive way or in a negative way. I've sorted that into five groups. First one is vehicles. This is cars, but it's also construction vehicles and mobile machinery, all these. The second one, of course, uh, I will have a closer look at HMI products that grab my attention. Then one on automotive technology and services. The fourth part will be about products beyond mobility, things that I saw that but may influence mobility in one way or the other, but are not necessarily related to vehicles and driving and, and being on the way. And the final one will be three personal highlights, the three things that I believe were most exciting and um, definitely worth talking about. Let's start. So let's start with the vehicles part. There was not too much innovation, not too, too many exciting things to be seen at uh, the booths of the traditional OEMs, if present at all. Many were missing. Stellantis, for example, did not have a booth. Um, Audi did not show up. Toyota didn't show up. So there were there was a lower number of, of the traditional car makers, the traditional OEMs. And... I talked last week already about the big disappointment at the booths of BMW and Mercedes um, created in me, left in me. There was one exception, one traditional automaker that I that, that had a booth that was good, not not anyhow outstanding, exciting, whatever, but but it was good. It was was Honda out of Japan, and they they showed two pretty exciting concepts, concept cars, 
not that this will be that, that this will revolutionize the world but nice to look at very thoughtful concepts one more like a sedan a traditional style one more like a um van um so yeah pretty pretty cool stuff the more exciting thing was on uh, the sony honda uh, cooperation booth. So, so both companies, Sony and Honda, have a cooperation to build a car. It's called the Afila, and it was shown for I don't know the third or fourth time in a row. So it seems like they're pretty serious with uh, what they do. And I believe if you have a look at the um, future of of our cars and then have a look at software-defined cars, software-defined vehicles. I think this cooperation makes a lot of sense. Honda will provide everything that is connected to vehicle technology, like the drivetrain, like the suspensions, the brakes. They will do the crash tests and, and the aerodynamics and all these, let's say, car car things that are in there. Sony will deliver everything that is in the interior, all the electronics that are there. They have a lot of exciting consumer products. They know how to do this. They have the experience in grabbing the attention of users and yeah, entertaining them. That that is that is a core competence of Sony. And it seems like in the Afila, uh, they will combine their competences and bring out a car. Um, it is a more or less traditional sedan with an more or less average design that they show my feeling is that if you're in this car if you use it if you have all the accessibility all the chances to play around with then uh, you will find out how exciting the afila may be beyond that um two startup car companies that attracted my attention one was the vietnamese company vinfast they focus on SUVs and pickup trucks. One car was a tiny, very small SUV in a ruggedized style. Let's go like this, ruggedized style. You may know the Suzuki Elliott's uh, or the Suzuki Jimny. It is in that style. It looks like a big, tough and rough SUV or off-road car, but it is a smaller it is all electric, as all cars of Winfast are electric. And as far as I heard, uh, the car is available in, in Vietnam already, in Southeastern Asia. And they plan to bring it to the US and, and Europe in 2024 for a seaable time frame. Cool little car, liked it. And um, I, I think it will have uh, quite some sex. They also showed a concept car, uh, the prototype of a pickup truck, of a fully electric pickup truck. And maybe I'm, I'm a boring old fart, but um, I really love this design far better um, than the Tesla Cybertruck. It is my personal thing. I mean, if it's about design, if it is about um, how things look and feel like, there is a lot of personal view in this. And my personal view is that Vinfast is on a far better path than uh, Tesla is uh, with this one. 
Talk is a Turkish car company, also fully electric cars. And a lot of the top management is coming from Bosch, from, from the German parts of Bosch. But it is a fully Turkish um, company. And they Two years ago, they showed a pretty exciting concept of a Zedan. Last year, in 2023, I had the feeling, oops, what are they doing? No car here. And I was a bit, bit, bit disappointed what they show. This year, they showed the serious car they have out now, the Zedan and an SUV. Not that these cars are the most exciting ones you can imagine. The design, if you look at them... They're okay-ish. It's, it's very nice, average. It is, it, it's not hurting anyone. Let's put it this way, in, in a positive way. Talk is thinking cars and mobility in systems, in uh, internet-connected, internet-based connected parts um, that build up a system, an information system, a sharing system, and I believe this is uh, this may make a difference as as far as talk is concerned. And the first car, uh, the the sedan, is out in, in Turkey and the Middle East, and uh, they plan to bring it to to Europe uh, to the rest of Europe later this year. The dream of a flying car is still alive. Hyundai showed something that looked more like a like a helicopter, like a traditional flying device. A, Drone carrying persons. Shipeng, the Chinese company, had a yeah, looked a bit like a sports car, like a Ferrari, Lamborghini, whatever style sports car, with four propellers on top. I have no idea how realistic these vehicles are. Is is this really a an opportunity to to drive in third dimension to fly? In, in the transport uh, of, of humans. I don't really see serious use cases in this. But um, yeah, let's wait and see. Um, maybe I'm proven wrong in a few years. We'll have all these flying cars. And for me, it's always like a science fiction dream of uh, the 1920s or 1930s when the first cars were. And now we got to fly with them. And since then, they are around and they, they, they pop up in, in uh, visions of future or mobility. And, but I have, at the moment, no real idea how that may go on. Far more concrete and far more realistic, because on the roads or on the construction places of this world are mobile machinery companies. Tractors, for example, like um, John Deere companies um, that have these agricultural tractors. Um, Caterpillar was there with mining devices and uh, Wiltgen with road construction devices. The fascinating thing here is that all these devices have a far higher level of automation than we have in the truck and car business. Of course, the environments are easier, they're less complex, they're more professional. And there, there was one bobcat um, that fascinated me, which was totally driverless. And uh, with that one, was a construction machine to dig holes and to move around uh, street surfaces and, and to build roads. And yeah, one of, one of these typical uh, uh, 
uh, road construction devices. And they are there. They're there alive. You can you can have them. And um, yeah, pretty 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 exciting thing in this one. And beyond that, there were a couple of companies showing alternative devices for mobilities like uh, scooters, electric scooters, and electric motorbikes. Maybe again, I'm just a very traditional person. Uh, the the only bike of those that I saw that grabbed my attention was shown on I think it was Mitsubishi electric booth, not not on a on a, on a mobility booth. And that was the LifeWire. LifeWire is the electric brand of Harley Davidson, and I have a close emotional relationship to this to this bike brand. And um, yeah, that that was a beautiful electric bike. Many of the others were just like, mm, nope, not my kind of vehicle. I don't want to be seen on this one. Also, the electric scooters, those one to sit on, um, they are either they were either totally futuristic, totally out of the range, or alternatively, they look like very traditional scooters, like from uh, Lambretta or from uh, Vespa. Um, the, these devices that um, were created mobility in the 50s and 60s, they are back in their electric versions um, uh, here, uh, uh, as shown on, on, on the CES. All right, let's move on to the HMIs, the human-machine interfaces. As I said last week, or last, last episode, I didn't see too much innovation at the surfaces. There are there is a couple of uh, architectures out there, um, the pillar to pillar, a pillar to a pillar device that goes all beyond the dashboard. That maybe one device or maybe a row of devices. Um, that is one solution, and there is a more traditional solution with one display behind the steering wheel, then one display in the center stack, which may be either landscape or portrait or rotatable. Those are basically the the, um, um, the the constructions we have. The Vinfast um, showed their solution without a cluster display, but with a head-up display, and a lot of the driving-related information on a center stack display. The more exciting things in HMI at the moment happen under the hood: operating systems, connectivity systems, integration. All that is moving on, even the tooling side. There are more exciting things happening than on what you actually can see and feel. And my idea is that next year or in two years, we will see what is possible with all these new technologies. The Taiwanese company Fik showed a three-dimensional display that I found pretty cool. You stand in front of this, it's about 20 centimeters by 30 centimeters. And if you stand in front of it, you have the impression that parts of the display stick out on a 45 degrees level way. And then you can stick your finger through. It was a, was a, was a 12 keys keypad they, they had uh, implemented there. And if you stick through one of these numbers, you can execute them without actually touching something. So you, your fingers were going through an imaginary plane that they put out 
uh, out of the out of the uh, vertical uh, original display. And they had two cameras to detect the finger position, and then you could select things. I, I don't know whether this makes too much sense in cars because I already criticized the missing haptic feedback in touchscreens, and here we have even less haptic feedback. But I see applications whenever an HMI is used by a high number of people, like in ticket machines um, or in, in uh, food vending machines. There it will definitely make sense that you do not need to touch anything there. And um, I had the idea, I talked, I had the chance to talk to the CEO of the company and ask them, hey, have you thought about medical applications? And he said, yes, that's where we are coming from. If you are in a surgery room, in an emergency room, um, the doctors need to control um, medical devices. And if you have such an HMI on top of it, such a device or such a display uh, where you don't need to touch something, uh, that, that gives you a clear advantage as far as hygiene, hygienic restrictions are concerned. Transparent displays were one of the big, um, big buzz things, um, uh, the, the, the big innovations at the CES this year. I will talk about them a little later. One application really, really caught my attention. That was a construction machine by the company called Bobcat. They had a little cabin on there with a steering wheel and, and the interaction devices, and then they had a front door in it with a window i don't know is, is it called a windscreen window or windshield i have no idea but this front door is the piece of glass the the operator looks through when he or she is working on something and they don't have the space for a projector so they cannot use the traditional head-up display setups what they used instead uh, in this in this uh, car on this vehicle was a transparent display that was mounted right in front of the operator. So there, it was possible to show additional information there. For example, hey, where to dig the hole or how to do this and um, yeah, all the operational data of the machine. But the person is still able, it can still look through this piece, through the front window and see what's happening outside. And I believe that this is a very, very good uh, application of, of transparent displays. Kia, the Korean car company, had an automated car there with a flippable steering wheel. They could lift it up and down. And we've seen many of these concepts, but the way they realized it, I have not seen this anywhere before. So imagine you sit in the car and you grab the steering wheel and you drive and then you reach a, an area where you can drive on level 4 or level 5. Then the steering wheel moves up until the axis of the steering wheel is straight up and the steering wheel itself uh, is, is flat, is on top of that. So it looks like a, like a mushroom that you have in front of you. I have no idea why they did this. I found it pretty ugly. If you look at it, it's just like, what? What are they doing here? Maybe they have a certain purpose. I was not able to grab anyone that could tell me why the solution was realized this way. But they must have their reasons. Or maybe it's just a showcase to attract attention. I have no idea. 
But um, yeah, this this uh, is a way of um, switching between levels uh, two and three on one side and level four and five of automated driving by flipping up the steering wheel. And with all these highly equipped cars, these extremely electronic cars, these very digital vehicles we had there, there was the American company Bollinger, um, totally the opposite. Bollinger has an electric drivetrain, has an electric platform, and on top of them they put either pickup trucks or off-road vehicle. And they look like the uh, traditional old uh, Land Rover Defender. So very rough and tough stuff, a lot of steel and, you know, very, very, very traditional. When I saw this car, I asked myself, hey, what is inside? How, how does it look from the inside? It has this very modern, progressive drivetrain. It looks like a very traditional car. And... No surprise, there were no screens in this car. It was just a couple of mechanical clocks showing you what you need. Maybe they have something to add on or to, to plug in. or, But the, the car I have seen, um, there was nothing like this. And I'm, I'm talking a lot about the revenge of the analog. So we have all this digital world. And we as humans, we are still very analog beings. And we love to be in an analog environment. And we, we are buying vinyl records and we are still playing electric guitars. And the Bollinger now is an example of how this could be in the vehicle world. So very traditional. And for me, just because it is very different, a very refreshing solution they were showing. Let's move on to automotive technologies and services. This year I was not only an attendant, but also an exhibitor because I had the chance to be part of the booth of the P3 Group, which is a global consultancy uh, services, software development, uh, technology development company. And the group here out of Stuttgart, um, they work on Android Automotive and Android Auto as core parts of uh, of driver information systems, of in-vehicle systems, of uh, vehicle electronics. And they showed same hardware, same software, just different designs, two different solutions that shows the range that is possible with this. One was a motorbike solution, very limited displays, limited content, limited interaction, and right beside that, there was a car solution with larger screens and many, many more opportunities to interact and do things. So this was um, showing me the, the possibilities Android is giving to, to the automotive industry. And the question here is, what do we do with this? How, how do we move on? How, how do we turn this into products? But uh, P3 is already on the way on bringing this into serious cars. Another company with pretty much the same focus was Veltec Mobility, which is part of the Volkswagen Group. They had a booth there where they also promoted Android as a core component in cars. I myself have my doubts every now and then whether this is a smart move to give away 
the core of future in-vehicle innovations to a company like Alphabet or like Google. But on the other hand, there are enormous chances of moving forward in, uh, with, with Android Auto. A second uh, HMI innovation um, I have seen is on a totally different level. That was the new version of the Kanzi tool of the company, the Finnish company, Rightware. These HMI development tools, if you don't know them too well, this is just like um, the like PowerPoint is for creating slide sets. Um, the Kanzi tool is there for creating human-machine interfaces. That, that may be the right analogy. You have an environment where you can create things, where you can pull in data from, from uh, external instances, and you can bring it alive. And then at the end, you create a software that runs on embedded systems or different other computing devices you can, you can think of. I had a chance to have a look at the latest version of Kanzi, which is um, yeah, ongoing um, uh, evolutionary compared to, to the old versions of Kanzi. The exciting thing was that they added artificial intelligence to the tool, to the development process. They, they presented it to me. I had a demo showcase there. And uh, they said, hey, okay, I have a cluster display, and on the cluster display there is the speedometer as a needle device on the left, and then there is media on the right, and then there is ADAS information in the center. And um, I want to have the entire thing in pretty, pretty pink. And, um, and then they pressed the button, and it created something like 10, 15 different versions of what you had defined before. Just like you may know it from from Doll E, which is uh, yeah the sister of uh, also done by uh, Open Open AI, the sister product of ChatGPT. ChatGPT you can use for for texts, and Doll E um, you can use for 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 graphics for pictures, and it's like that. You describe what you want, and then the artificial intelligence creates you a serious number of different variants of what you may have asked for. It is already prepared to be implemented into Kanzi, brought to be alive and uh, turn it into, let's say, real working HMIs. I have no idea how that will change the development of, of human-machine interfaces. It is definitely usable when you want to have a quick and easy, quick and dirty solution for some demo or whatever. What I saw is definitely not on a level I want to have in a car on a, on a dashboard. This this is not what I want. But the potential is there. It, it's exciting. It was super exciting to see that. And um, yeah, I, I really liked it. And uh, think that there is a strong uh, perspective in, in, in this tool. I always like to attend the booth of Gentex at CES, which is basically a rearview mirror company. And they started adding digital components, little screens into their, their rearview mirrors. That may be used to show the rearview camera, to show other camera data, or if you have um, 
a camera mounted for the rear seats you can have a rear seat control if you have your kids there and you want to see what's happening there are they sleeping or not sleeping so you don't need to turn around you just need to look into your internal rear view mirror and you can see the camera picture there of of your rear seat this is what i like about gentex they they always have nice little innovations nice little technologies that solve existing problems that that are really useful that that create value this is why i like them they have expanded their business to uh, interior surveillance uh, systems to driver monitoring systems and uh, to windows window blinds electrical digital window blinds but uh, the core product is still these uh, enhanced advanced rearview mirrors beyond mobility non non mobility things um, everything is artificial intelligence driven everything is smart um, the mirror there's a kitchen there pad system there's pad technology that helps you a lot of that what i've seen is pretty doubtful there was one mirror um, you can look into this and it analyzes your skin and and the way you look and um, then it recommends your products um, of a certain brand that will help you to look better afterwards no idea whether this makes really sense uh, whether there's any future but it is there same for the kitchens um, a refrigerator with a screen on top and that orders uh, milk online if uh, your milk is empty and yeah, these scenarios sometimes i believe hey i have seen all this 20 and 30 years ago and and uh, people are dreaming about this since 50 years and either it becomes reality now or and this is uh, my idea uh, these companies use uh, these old dreams, these old pictures, uh, these old science fiction stories to stimulate our imagination and to attract attention. Transparent displays were huge, particularly LG, but also Samsung. They showed different variants of transparent displays. And I've talked about the Bobcat. Uh, vehicle that uses them and what i find is a very smart way of, of applying them the idea of having a smart uh, a transparent display in your home i, I don't see any not, not too many use cases in that they are very useful if you are in public spaces if you are um, on an exhibition if you want to attract attention um, th those are use cases uh, on for commercials um, for yeah for for or if you want to attract attention then they are very good don't know whether this is a market big enough to to let them survive but let's wait and see how use cases for the future will turn out at the very end of the day in the Venetian, there was a separate um, area where they showed highest, hottest innovation, um, uh, award-winning uh, innovations. The focus there was on health products, measuring heart frequencies, measuring sleep quality, measuring blood sugar, and then down to the good old uh, massage sofa, massage seat that you can have that was a very strong that showed a very strong presence with a lot of um, yeah innovation innovative power that that you have there 
Alright, let's move on to the final part. My personal highlights. Um, and there's no particular order. Um, I'm, I'm telling you about these three companies, these three booths that uh, attracted my attention very much in the order I attended them. That was for me the easiest way to just put it. And the first one was from a company out of Hamburg in Germany called Grevus. They are producing haptic actors. Devices, little devices, uh, technologies that make things vibrate and shake and move. They had a haptic seat as a to present their technologies. They did it together with Icon Incar, which is a yeah, design company in Germany. And I was sitting in that and they showed me all the different use cases that they see. And, and the first one was on music. So if you are a music lover and you love to hear loud music in your car, you may love the feeling of your, of your seat rattling and shaking with the bass that you have in the music. And they can... Um, create exactly the same feeling but even on lower volume so that you have the idea I feel the music it is in my seat and this is a was a pretty cool thing um, but there were more let's say safety oriented and more useful applications as well if you for example uh, have a blind spot detector a blind spot warning then your seat rattles and says to, tells you, hey, there, there's something there um, on the left side. Take care of it. Very useful thing. Um, if you brake, yeah, you get a certain seat movement in there that shows you something. If you have a handover from the driver to the car or the other way from the car to the driver, then the car rattle, uh, the, the seat rattles, uh, the haptic seat, so that you have a certain attention and say, yes, hey, cool, um, I, I need to take over now. I, I wake up and I take over. So these are the things that, where I see it. And we discussed one problem I had not been really aware of before, but I think it's serious. If you drive with an electric car, it has less vibration compared to a combustion engine car. And so we very often underestimate the speed we are driving with. So if you are driving 50 miles instead of 30 miles per hour with, with a car, then maybe it, it, it starts shaking, vibrating to show you, hey, you are driving in a certain speed here. You should not drive. And all those are use cases where I believe, yes, this, this makes absolute sense to, to have this. And we have this total overload in our cars, the information overload on our eyes and our fingers and if we use the haptic part, the seed we are sitting in, we have a new channel that opens up various opportunities and possibilities. The second uh, company, the second product I'd like to focus on here in my personal highlights is Unify. Unify is trying to find, and they're successful in trying this, trying to find the sweet spot between the flexibility of a touchscreen and haptic feedbacks. And by the way, they are cooperating with Grevos, the, the two companies are working together. So a lot of what you see in the surfaces of Unify is technology of, of Grevos. 
They have structures of plastic that have a shape, that have a form, that have a haptic part. So, for example, they have a little dome there. And then you can use that for adjusting your temperature, for adjusting the volume, whatever, doing in-car things. And you can use this blindly, but also since these plastic parts are illuminated from the, from the background, it is like a touchscreen. You can show additional information there. And I know Unify since a couple of years, and I've always been convinced that they are good, doing good things. Now they are having the first project with an OEM, with a car maker. I had a chance to look a little under the blanket to see what's going on there. Um, exciting things are upcoming there. And um, I think we will see Unify technology in at least prototype cars, show cars, very, very soon and on the road in a foreseeable time frame. And the last one, it was actually the very, very final booth I attended uh, at CES, and it was Friday early afternoon. So, um, yeah, it was almost after the end of the show, was the booth of Forvia, former Forisia, uh, now called Forvia. And they have so many different technologies. They have so many different things that they can put together that they're able to create a complete holistic interior concept. And they showed that. They showed that on a uh, demonstrator. It had the size of an electric midsize uh, SUV, so very realistic from a form factor. And they were able to show many different use cases in the car, driving alone, driving with a baby, driving with an VIP. Um, yeah, all the seat configurations, they were easy to, to realize. Then they had an interaction system, and maybe this was the only or one of the very few uh, demonstrators on the CES of, of car interiors without a touchscreen. But they didn't have a touchscreen in there. They had an interaction device on the steering wheel. And if you look at one certain display and press that device, then something on that display, something some predefined activity on that display happens. And this is at least a different way of, of thinking car, the car and driver interaction, driver and car interaction, all the HMI things in, in, in a vehicle. So that may be a way into the future that they have shown there. Also, yeah, new style uh, paddle systems and all these things. Very exciting, very cool stuff. And I really, really, really like that. All right, so far about this, we talked about what I have seen on the product side at the CES. All the different vehicles, the different HMIs, technologies and services, things beyond mobility. And I talked about my personal highlights. If you want to get deeper into this, uh, you can read my CES report which uh, is available. You just sent me an email on the podcast at beyond-hmi.de or you use LinkedIn or, yeah, or you use my regular email address peter.rusker at beyond-hmi.de whatever you will catch me and if you ask me for a copy of this report you will receive one right away. That's it for today. 
Thank you for spending time with me. I hope you were able to take something with you and do something for yourself that will be forever. For an ongoing exchange, you will find me on LinkedIn and on my websites, peter-rusker.com and beyond-hmi.de. Write me an email on the podcast at beyond-hmi.de. Tune in next time, take care and stay healthy.